Epicurus's argument that we shouldn't fear death because we won't be around when it happens is the most useless observation ever made by an ancient Greek philosopher. He reasoned that nobody gets upset that they didn't exist before their birth, so why feel bad about the fact that you won't exist again soon? Some people may not like this argument because they believe in second life. Life after death. But is there life after death? Nobody knows, and for the scientifically minded, there is no proof. But I've never met anyone who found this remotely consoling. It would be one thing never to have been born in the first place. Once you've been born, you're invested, whether you like it or not. And getting older is thus inevitably a matter of getting nearer and nearer to the certainty that your finite time will run out. Before you've done more than a handful of the limitless number of things you could, in principle, have done with it or spent more than a tiny flicker of time with the people you care about the most. During our life, it seems like an endless upward slope, with nothing but the distant horizon in view. Then suddenly, we find that we have reached the crest of the hill, and there stretching ahead is the downward slope with the end of the road in sight. Downward is the right word here for multiple reasons, one of which is the implication of acceleration. As if it weren't cruel enough that your time is running out, you'll also experience your dwindling months and years passing more quickly as you age. So you'll have less and less time, and each portion of that time will feel less long. Why does this happen? But many people experience that before they realize the first half of their life is over. For someone who is 80 years old, the person passed his years from 20 to 60 years in a zip. You do many things in this period, you begin your career and settle down slowly. Later you have your family and more responsibilities in your personal and professional life. You start feeling that it would have been better if the day had 48 hours instead of 24. Now, look at the 20 years from 60 to 80 pass as if 80 years passed instead of 20. Why is that so? Your responsibilities, both professional and personal drastically reduce. You have more leisure time on hand. Some health issues are bound to begin during this phase. Some people in your life die, some are close to you, and some probably you meet daily. On the one hand, you feel as if the time has stopped. But on the other hand, you start feeling that your life is hurtling down the slope to the end. The trick is how to handle the combination of these mixed circumstances. What's truly noteworthy about the awareness of our life's limitations, though, isn't the fact that it eventually makes us worry, at any age between about 35 and 65, but that we manage to stave it off for so long. After all, a 10-year-old destined to live to 90 is only a tiny bit further from the end than they'll be when they're 80. The argument is from a cosmic viewpoint where a thousand years is just a blip. It's a testament to our evolved talent for postponing the confrontation with mortality that we manage to do all sorts of worthwhile things. We launch careers, start families, acquire possessions, produce art, that we might forego if the knowledge paralyzed us that it would all be over so soon. Had we been thinking of mortality right from a young age, our contribution to society could have been zero. We plan, we make projects. We visualize a dream life, we work hard for it sometimes at the cost of work-life balance. But this thinking pushes us away from thinking about mortality. It makes us feel infallible. In the second half of life, there's much to be said for abandoning the fight against the truth. A central feature of the modern experience of time is that we focus too heavily on thinking about it dwelling exclusively on our future purposes. We rush through our lives as if there is no tomorrow. We are pushing to reach the top, finally always hoping to complete our to-do list. We also think about our kids leaving home and you finally retiring from work. The result is what's been called the one I finally mindset, the sense that real fulfillment, or even real life itself, hasn't quite arrived yet so that present experience is merely something to get through en route to something better. Instead of loving your cat, you try to plan about the cat's kittens. You look too much in future and realize late that you don't have enough time and good health to enjoy today.
Or is he looking for kittens kittens? Have I made my argument a bit complex? Let me explain in some other words. I am simply trying to say that to enjoy something, pluck low-hanging fruits instead of reaching higher and higher, or your dreams are too far to achieve. It's hard to shake the outlook entirely. But getting older helps because the awareness that time is drawing to a close makes it increasingly untenable to live for the future. I must share a cynical joke here. A 75 years old man goes to buy bananas. The seller says, take these, these will be ready the day after tomorrow. The man says, at my age, I need bananas which I can eat today. At 20, it's easy to imagine that real life hasn't adequately begun, but at 40, it's a bit of a stretch, and at 60, it's absurd. And so it becomes even easier to face what was true all along, that this is real life. That there's no impending moment of truth when you'll finally feel in a better position to do whatever you want to do with your time, and that the only viable moment to do it is right now. I think this is the truth and the advice about the importance of living in the moment. It is essential to recognize that the past is past and that soon you won't have any future left, so you might as well be here. It's not so bad. Often enough, it's terrific. And in any case, there's nowhere else to be.